Every day can be an awakening, but if we truly want to experience the growth from a tiny sapling into a mighty oak, we have to develop deep roots. But if life has you feeling desperate for refreshment or for life to just feel more stable, you are not alone. Scripture tells us that if we abide in Christ, we will bear much fruit. We will flourish and we will grow because the secret to fruitfulness, to thriving, to giving life and to living life is found in abiding, not striving, finding who we are from God and living from His presence, rooted in His Spirit. And when we are, we will be revived. We will be transformed. We will awaken and we'll awaken the world. Welcome to Cross Point and glad that you're with us, whether you're with us in the room or online, we are, uh, we're so glad you're here. We're in this series, Awaken, and you've heard us say that we're praying for renewal in the church, revival in the city, and awakening across Middle Tennessee, and, uh, and as we're, it's just wild, the timing of us as we fast and pray and pray for those things. Um, maybe you've heard, uh, I don't know if you've heard about what's happening at Asbury University up in Wilmore, Kentucky. And uh, Wilmore is a small little suburb or a small little rural town, actually, outside of Lexington. And, uh, and there's a college there, not a huge college, but what God's doing at that college is really big and really significant. There was a, um, yeah, they, there were some students that gathered, and we'll talk about it. There were some students that gathered as a chapel service, and there were about 15 students said, hey, we're not, we, we want to linger in the presence. And they stayed, and they prayed, and they confessed their sin, and they repented, and they came came fully to God. And as, as they were still praying, um, word spread that there were still students praying and the chapel just began to fill with students. And that was on February 8th. And so since February 8th, there's been a worship, a continuous worship service. People gathering, people are coming in from all over. I think it's 21 colleges. Different students have come from colleges all over saying, and God is pouring out his spirit on, on this generation, on Gen Z. And it's, it's happening. It's happening there. I mean, I, I went and asked, asked Siri to do some math for me. It's been 263 hours of continuous praise and worship and confession, and, uh, and, and the building is packed, and I, I heard about what was going on. And so on Sunday, um, last Sunday, went up and, uh, and got to experience it, and then then this, uh, then on Monday, uh, went back up, and uh, and I'm I'm just I'm gonna tell you I've never I've never experienced anything like like that. It's it's so humble and it's so pure. And there are no rock stars or celebrities. It's just college students leading worship. And it's still college students leading it, and it's just it is you just you experience the presence of God. And um and I got a I got a message from uh, one of our board members uh, yesterday and he said he went up and he sent this he sent this video and this is actually what things look like now and so um, there are just tens like over 10,000 people that are that are out uh, worshiping God in Wilmore in Wilmore Kentucky and I don't I don't share that story with you to say get in your car and drive to Wilmore you can if you want to but I don't share that with you say I, I, I share that with you because I want you to know you don't have to drive to Wilmore to receive the Holy Spirit that you can experience the Holy Spirit in your life right here and now, that the Spirit of God is the gift of God. And so as we're, as we're in this series and we're talking about Jesus' last conversation with the disciples before he goes to the cross, the upper room discourse, he gives, it gives chapter 16, what we're looking at today, is the most succinct teaching on the Holy Spirit. It's like Jesus wanted to tell them about the parting gift. He wanted to say, let me tell you what's coming. 
Let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. And so what we want to do today is talk about the Holy Spirit. And there was a, um, there's a verse in that John chapter 16 where Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. The advocate, Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And I'm sure if you're a disciple, you're like, okay, Jesus, how is it good that you're going to a cross? How is it good that you're going to leave? How is it good that you're not going to be here? And what Jesus is telling us is that, is that the, it's for our good. It's for our advantage that he goes away. Because the spirit inside us is better than Jesus beside us. Like, how is that? Because if Jesus was beside us, if Jesus was with us, it'd be one Jesus with everybody in the world. One on 12, him with the disciples, it's one on 12. It's one on 72. It's, it's one on the 120 in the upper room. I mean, it's, it, it, it is, they would have to share him with the rest of the world. So Jesus says, it's better that I go because if I go, then the Father can send the Spirit and you'll receive the same Spirit that you've seen in me. You'll, you'll receive the Spirit of God living in you. This is really good news. So this is for your advantage. This is for your good. And so today we're going to talk about how it's for our good. We're going to talk about what it means to have the Holy Spirit dwell in you. And, uh, and I was thinking, you know, I could teach this, but I was having a conversation with one of our worship pastors, uh, Dewan Hill. And as we were talking about this, um, talking with uh, Pastor Dewan about the Holy Spirit. Have you ever talked with somebody about their best friend? And as they talked about their best friend, it made you go, you know what? I wish I had a best friend like that. When, when Dewan talks about the Holy Spirit, it's like, it's like he's talking about his best friend. And so I would love um, to invite him into a conversation today on John chapter 16. So you can put your hands together and welcome Dewan Hill. Thank you, Dewan. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. Well, we have... Uh, we are in this, in this conversation, before we jump into the text, because I want to jump into some of these verses and uh, chop it up with you. But before we do that, will you just share with everybody a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your family? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Pastor Kevin. What's up, Crosspoint? Friends online, what's going on? Glad to be here today. I, uh, I grew up in a town called Carryville, Tennessee, which is outside of Memphis. I moved here about 19 years ago. Um, got married to my beautiful wife, Laura, who's sitting over there. Yes, she is beautiful. You're right. She is beautiful. <laughs> and uh, we have two beautiful kids, Tobin, who's six, and Nyla, who is four. And uh, Crosspoint has been a blessing to us. And mm -hmm. Pastor Kevin, is, we talk about your sermons almost every Sunday on the way home. And so grateful for what Crosspoint has done in our lives. Um, the last time I think I got to talk to you all, I told you a little bit of my background. I grew up in, uh, my grandfather was a Baptist pastor, and my other grandfather was a Pentecostal pastor. My wife grew up Church of Christ, so I don't know what I am. I don't know what. <laughs> um, but all of those experiences have really formed my faith. And uh, I received Jesus. I decided to follow Jesus at a young age. But over time, you know, sometimes you read Scripture and it seems like a distant story, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, David, all these people were great, but doesn't really apply to my life. And um, I'm excited about this conversation today because I think the Holy Spirit has been a really help, mm. helpful for that. Well, so, so Jesus says, um, he said that the Father is going to send a helper, right? Mm -hmm. he, says that, he says that he will send an advocate. He said the Holy Spirit will be, um, will be our, the word there is paraclete, but it's translated advocate, helper, comforter. Mm -hmm. um, talk with us just personally 
about the experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives or in your life personally. Yeah. 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 You know, the Holy Spirit, I think, is, I know is so important. And I have an experience with the Holy Spirit. Many of you have. Maybe some of you haven't. But I think it's really important to set a, a scriptural foundation because all of our experiences can be different, but the scripture is what teaches us who the Holy Spirit is. He is a person. And uh, I've been doing this Bible study on Wednesday morning with, with some guys, and we kind of as a fun game, we try to go through the whole Bible and find a thread that's consistent and kind of pick up these uh, treasures along the way. So I want to do that with you today. I want to see if we can find and locate the person of the Holy Spirit through the whole Bible. It's not going to take 30 minutes. Don't worry about it. It's going to take uh, just a few minutes. But I want to start in Genesis with creation. Uh, it says in Genesis 1 and 1 that in the beginning, God created... Yeah, good job, Sunday school students. I'm going to need your help. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And uh, the next statement, a little further down, says that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Now, isn't that interesting that the Spirit of God shows up at the very beginning of the book? And that word hover is interesting because it's not like the hovering that your friend does when he won't leave your house after the party is over. It's not that weird hover. It's actually, um, the connotation is like brooding and expectation and anticipation. And I believe the Holy Spirit was was planning what he was wanting to do. Um, Because the theme that we're going to pull through this whole message is that the Holy Spirit comes to abide. The Holy Spirit just doesn't want to hover in an awkward sense. He actually wants to abide in you. So we see God through the Holy Spirit at creation. And then God doesn't stop there because he makes the heavens and the earth and he bends over and he creates Adam from the dust and he breathes into Adam the breath of life. He puts his spirit in Adam because the Holy Spirit comes to abide with man, God with man. Now, that would have been a great story if Adam had stuck with it, but he decided to disobey God and to listen to a different spirit. There are more than one spirit in the world. There's, there's the Holy Spirit and other spirits at work. And Adam decided to listen to the lie that he needed something more, something outside of the spirit of God. And so he disobeyed God. And, and God said that when you do that, you're going to die. Now, Adam didn't fall dead on the ground at that moment, but God and man were separated. Adam lost the privilege. He forfeited the privilege of living in the Spirit of God. And things just went downhill from there. I mean, the first generation of humanity, the first generation of humanity was Cain and Abel. And if you have read the Bible, you know that that was a pretty bad story. Cain murders his brother. This is what happens when God and man are not reconciled. And generations kept being born following the same sin cycle all the way through Noah, where it got to the point where God said, I can't abide with man anymore. I can't strive. I can't contend with him anymore because their sin is so great. And so he sends what you may have read about is the great flood. A judgment came on the earth. And thank God for his mercy because he spared Noah and his family. Hmm. Noah and his family were spared by the mercy of God. And when the water started to subside, Noah sent out a raven and a dove to just, is, is, is it okay out here? Can we, can we get out of this boat? And the raven never came back, but the dove came back with an olive branch. Now, I'm not going to give you the treasure there. I want you to do your homework and go figure out what does the olive branch represent. But I do want you to notice that the dove came back, and he sent him back out. And the question you should be wondering is, when is God going to abide with man again? When is this sin cycle going to be fixed? And the story gets really good because after Noah, 
all these people keep making the same mistakes, murdering, adultery, bitterness, unforgiveness, until we cross over to an angel coming to a virgin girl in the book of Matthew. And it says that the Holy Spirit was going to overshadow, kind of sounds like hovering, doesn't it? The angel said that the Spirit is going to overshadow you, Mary, and you're going to conceive birth, and you're going to give birth to a son. You're going to conceive and give birth to a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. Woo! <laughs> you see the thread that's happening? The Spirit's hovering at the beginning. He overshadows a virgin girl, and Jesus is born. He's conceived of the Spirit. He goes to the water for baptism, and guess what happens, man? I got to stand up right here. Look, <laughs> he gets in the water. John the baptizer baptizes him. He gets out of the water, and the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. A dove? I love the Bible, man. This is the best. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is not a dove, but the Spirit of God was symbolized by the dove landing on Jesus, empowering him to do something really great because reconciliation had to happen. Jesus was anointed by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit, went all the way to the cross, died the death that Adam Noah, and you and I deserve to die. He died that death so that God could be with man again. And when he died, he said, into your hands I commit my spirit, Father. And the Father promised that the Spirit would come back and anoint men and women. And he did that on the day of Pentecost. 120 people were hanging out in the upper room, and the Spirit of God comes in like a rushing mighty wind. Tongues of fire land on people, and they're filled with the Spirit. And it's because of that spirit and the disciples that we're in the room today, because the gospel got spread over the whole world. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Jesus made a way for us to have God abide with man. The Holy Spirit comes to abide. Now, you might hear that story and like, that's a great story. How does that affect my life? Well, if I could tell a quick story, I was in a really bad car accident about seven years ago. I should not be sitting up here on this stage. My car was totaled. It was crushed like a sardine can. And, and the lady that was in the other car was airlifted to the hospital. Thank God I walked away, but she was airlifted to the hospital. I didn't know how she was doing. I didn't know if she was going to be okay. I prayed for her and hoped that she would be okay. And I didn't hear anything from her for a long time until I was leading worship at a church. And this lady, this friend comes up to me and says, the Holy Spirit prompted me to tell you that you have nothing to worry about, everything is going to be okay. Now, I didn't, I didn't connect that to anything other than maybe she's encouraging me about something that I don't know about, or maybe she's talking about a situation that happened before now. So I received it and said, thank you. I got in the car, and before I pulled off, I checked my email, and I got an email saying that I was being sued for the damages and the injuries that that woman had occurred. And I'm not talking five or six dollars, I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. we were being sued for. And I'm a musician, so I don't have a hundred and hundred and hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I don't have that. So I drive home. My wife is eight months pregnant with my first son, Tobin. And I walk in the house, and I, don't, I said, I don't know how I'm going to tell you this. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I have good news and bad news. The bad news is I just got notified that we're being sued for a lot of money. And my wife fell back into bed. She said, I'm pregnant. I said, I know. I know you're pregnant. <laughs> She said, I'm praying that what are we going to do? And I said, well, the good news is God spoke to me this morning and said that we don't have to worry about it. God's going to take care of it. It was a comforting message. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. He knew what I needed to hear when I needed to hear it. He gave me that message to give to my wife and I. And uh, the end of the story is I didn't pay one penny on that lawsuit. 
God worked out the whole situation to where um, he provided what we needed. Comforter. Comforter, man. Mm. Um, I love, there's some of, the, some of the things that Jesus says about the Spirit. Well, one of them in, in verse 8 is he says that the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. You know, one role of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to bring conviction. And that's part of the gift of the Spirit is the Spirit brings conviction. Like, can you talk a little bit about um, what conviction looks like? Yeah, I uh, recently, I'm going to tell you another story. We recently went to the happiest place on earth. And, uh, man, if you want to know if your marriage is strong, go to Disney World. <laughs> you don't need to go to counseling. Just go to Disney World. That is a test of marriage. Most of it was great. <laughs> Some of it was challenging. And, uh, you know, your kids want to go to this ride. Your other kid wants to go to that ride. I want to eat. Laura wants to eat. We're just trying to figure out what we want to do. And in that moment of tension, I said something really harsh to my wife. This was beginning of January. And uh, I didn't apologize in the moment. I knew it was harsh, but I didn't apologize in the moment. If you ought to know that pastors make, make mistakes too. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, okay, okay, you know. I'm in the club. Good. You know, yes. um, it wasn't until the next day, man, this lump started rising in my belly and got all the way to my throat. And I knew what it was. I knew what it was. It was the Holy Spirit convicting me that I had said something wrong to my wife. But I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to apologize. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't deny that's what I should be doing. So I turned to my wife in the car on the way to the airport, and I said, Laura, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have said that to you. And she started smiling, because she knew. <laughs> it was almost like she was waiting. It's like, thank you, Holy Spirit, for telling my husband what he should do. Um, and I'm, you know why I'm grateful for that? It's because the Holy Spirit comes not just to reconcile God to man. He comes to reconcile husband to wife, and brother to sister, and black to white. He is a reconciler. And you know how that happens? Reconciliation starts with conviction. You don't know that you're wrong until the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And if you're wondering if you've ever heard the voice of the Holy Spirit before, my guess is that you have. When you have that lump or that fast heartbeat or just that inner uh, voice, the Holy Spirit saying, I think there's a better way. Yeah. I mean, the Holy Spirit, that gift is, is for believers, but then also unbelievers. You might be here today and be spiritually unresolved. You might be here just checking things out and wonder, well, what difference does the Holy Spirit make in my life? Well, the Holy Spirit does. It brings, brings conviction to our lives. And listen, it's the, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not our repentance that leads to God's kindness. It's the kindness of God that the Spirit would reveal to us the sin in our lives that would cause us to understand, I need a rescue. Right. I need a rescuer. Right. And it calls us to reach out to God. So the Holy Spirit is that, is that gift that brings conviction, it can bring conviction in our life. But there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Right, right. right? The condemnation, that's what the evil one does. Mm -hmm. But the conviction is, is to re reveal our need for repentance, our need mm -hmm. for confession, so that mm -hmm. we can find, find healing. Yeah. And, um, back in verse 15, Jesus, Jesus tells us that, uh, that when the Spirit comes, when the Advocate comes, right? Mm -hmm. When the Spirit comes... He will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So the Spirit enables us to testify. The Spirit always points to Jesus. So what does that look like corporately when we're together in worship? Well, I'm honored to be one of the worship pastors here at Crosspoint, and so I love corporate worship. I mean, you know, 
we get to lead you all in songs and discipling uh, worshipers. And you get a chance to experience corporate worship really soon. On February 28th, we're having a worship night right here in this building. And uh, what we're talking about, you can experience today and then, and hopefully in many more services. It's going to be an awesome night of worship, uh, exalting Jesus, and I hope you all can join us uh, for that night. But something special happens when we gather together um, as worshipers. You know, you can worship God at home with your Spotify playlist in your closet, and um, that's awesome. But something happens when we look across the room and we testify to each other about how good God has been to us, or maybe even challenges that you're facing. And, um, you know, corporate worship is really special because when the Spirit starts to unite um, people and believers, things happen that don't really happen by yourself. Yeah. You know, an example we, we see in the Bible that the, the Spirit would fall on groups of people for a mission and a purpose, um, for individual purpose, but also for, for corporate purpose. And um, that can look like serving. It doesn't just mean Sunday morning service, but corporate can mean s- serving it can mean Bible studies. Uh, it can mean uh, prayer. It can mean um, singing songs at your house. You know you don't need me or worship leaders in your house to worship God. You know you can worship God in your own house. I hope dads and moms start to be worship leaders in our church because there's something that, that happens when a family unit comes together in the house and worships God together. And if you're like, I don't know, I don't know how to do that. I don't have the power or the strength to do that. Ask the Spirit. Right. He, he is your helper. God has given you his spirit to help you with that and, um, and to give you the power and the courage to step into those places. Um, you know, a couple of th- one thing about the spirit is that the spirit, the father sends the spirit to point to the son. So the spirit always points to the son and Jesus gives glory to the to the father. So there is this um, there is this selfless love in the Godhead, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. But the spirit is always, the spirit never points to, to the self and goes, the spirit never goes, look at me, look at me, look at me. The spirit always goes, look at him, look that's at Jesus. Right. The spirit always points to Jesus. So that's what happens when we worship and we lift Jesus up together. And uh, in verse 13, it says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So the Spirit speaks to us. The Spirit leads us to truth. Mm-hmm. How does that work in our life? Well, one thing I think we need to talk about that maybe is not talked about a lot in our society, and maybe not some churches, but we're going to talk about it today, and that's that the Spirit of God is not the only Spirit active in the world. Um, other nations re- realize this, and they, and they live their lives with an awareness that there is a spirit. We sung this song earlier, um, let us become more aware of your presence. I think, I think a lot of us are aware of the spirit's presence, but we're, we may not be aware that there's an enemy of our soul. And if the, if the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of truth, guess what the other spirit is? The father of lies is what Jesus called him, the father of lies. And he's so good at lying that he doesn't create new lies He just keeps using the old ones. Mm. And he takes the truth of the Spirit, and he turns it just enough to where it sounds like truth to you, but it's actually a lie. He did it to Adam. He even tried it with Jesus. And what I want to invite everyone in the room and watching online into is how to recognize the lie and invite the Spirit 
to counteract that lie. Let me give you some examples. A lie I hear not a lie I hear a lot is, I'm not good enough. Um, another one you may hear is, I'm too old, or I'm too young, I don't have enough money, or I've done too many bad things, or I don't have the right job, or I'm looking for the right opportunity, or I didn't go to the right school. That is not the truth. And when you hear those voices, you have an opportunity, just like Adam did, to choose whether or not you're going to listen to the spirit of truth or the father of lies. And the spirit of truth comes to expose the lie and says, no, 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 no. You, you don't have to be good enough to, to have my spirit. You need to trust in the one who was perfect, Jesus. No, you don't have to be a certain age to be effective in the world. You need to be who God called you to be. You don't need more money to be successful. I'll supply all your needs. You see how the spirit of truth can reveal what really needs to be said. You know, we talked about conviction earlier, and, and condemnation and conviction are, are, are kind of both sides of that coin because condemnation blames you for what you've done. Conviction reminds you of what Christ has done. Yeah, that's good. Condemnation blames you for what you've done. Conviction reminds you of what Christ has done. So when you hear a lie, I'm not good enough, you should remind the father of lies of who Christ is. Really good. So the Spirit leads us to truth. One, one practical application that you can take from that is whenever you're reading the Scriptures, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I'll open up the Scriptures and I'll just jump in and start reading, and, uh, and it'll like, it's not making much sense. Like, it's just not making sense to me in that moment. And, uh, and so what I'll do in that time, I'll say, Holy Spirit, would you help me understand? Yeah. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired it in the first place. Because Scripture says, all, um, all Scripture is God-breathed. And so the Spirit moved the men who moved the pen, and so the author right. of the word will help us. It's the only book you can read. The author helps you understand as you're reading it. Yeah. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, will you help me understand? And he will illuminate. He'll help us understand yeah. um, what's, in, what's in the truth because the word is, is truth. Yeah. In John 17, um, in the next chapter, Jesus prays, um, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. Mm-hmm. As you are in me, Father, I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Mm-hmm. Um, the Spirit's role is to bring, um, bring unity and oneness. That was Jesus' prayer, That's is true. that we would be one. And we live in a divided world, and what a divided world needs is a united church, mm-hmm. and that we would be one. And that's not possible without the Spirit. Can you just encourage us on that and what that looks like? Yeah, like I mentioned, I, I grew up in a suburb outside of Memphis, and you probably heard what happened in Memphis not too long ago. It, it broke my heart. And um, we live in a broken world. And the answer to the broken world is not broken people shouting at other broken people and arguing with other broken people. Um, we do have a cultural problem. We do have a race problem in this country and in the world. But more than a cultural and a race problem, we have a sin problem, of which I am guilty. Our sin is contributing and the reason for why the world is broken. And if you try to fix the world without addressing the sin problem, you're going to be spinning your wheels. This is why Jesus sent the spirit of truth to unite us. He prayed that we would be one. And Jesus made the way for us not to only be reconciled to the Father, but to be reconciled to one another. Again, that's what conviction does. It says, am I loving my brother? 
Am I loving my wife? Am I serving the community? Am I being faithful in my marriage? Am I being faithful on my job? Lord, help me to do what you've built me to do. Um, whether you know this or not, God is doing this in this church. Uh, me being on the stage is an example of how God is doing this in this church. And I want to acknowledge um, Cheryl Stark. She's one of the worship pastors here along with me. Thank you, Cheryl. You're the best. And... Uh, She's been serving faithfully at Crosspoint, and she called me in September of 2020 and said that she wanted to invite me and some worshipers to come and join you all for an online worship service. I don't know if you remember this service, but um, we sang around the piano, and it was a special time, special service. I didn't know that God was going to use this service like he did. When my wife and I were watching this service, she looked at me and looked at the TV and said, this is what God is calling you to do. So I didn't choose to be here. God called me here. And when he called me here, I think he's, he's doing something special, not just through me, but through our church. And what's so special about what you're watching is the Spirit of God doesn't just want to bring you personally out of your situation. He wants to unite us into a mission and a cause for the kingdom of God. And if you're bold enough to dream and bold enough to trust the Spirit of God, what if the world were to look at the church as an example of what could happen on the street? Come on. What if people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, background, political affiliation could come, not just in a building, but worship together in a lifetime and say, we trust Jesus to unite us, yeah. um, not because we're perfect, but because Jesus is perfect. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> just, a, just a fun add-on, um, this this. Video like when we put it out in 2020. Remember 2020? I know you're trying to forget, but 2020. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. this, I remember this service. And but I've heard some stories later on. There's a pastor from North Carolina, um, Josh Reed, who moved here to be on on the team. And God used this video. Their family was worshiping, watching Cross Points. I feel called to be a part of that. Pastor Eddie Harrison was living in California, just another family that came here from California, but they saw that, and that God used that video to draw them to be a part of, a part of Crosspoint. I'm like, Dwan, keep putting out those videos, man. You're bringing a great team. But this is, this, is just a, this is just a picture of what happens through unity, through a spirit of unity. It's only possible through the Spirit of God, through yeah. the Holy Spirit in us. So will you pray for us in that? Can you close out by just letting us know your yeah. prayer and praying for us in the church? I'd be happy to. Thank you. Friends, I know what it feels like to not feel adequate enough to receive what we just talked about. The enemy is probably speaking to you now about why you're disqualified or why you're not good enough and why you shouldn't receive this. But I have good news for you. Jesus did everything to make the Spirit available to us. And not just for a service, friends. This is, this is not to get you hyped up in this service. The Spirit of God wants to abide with you. He wants to be with you in your house, in your marriage, in your job, in your body. He wants to reveal himself to your kids and their kids. His long-range plan is for his Spirit to abide with his people. And I... I wouldn't be a great pastor if I didn't invite you into that relationship with him today. And there's probably two categories of people in the room. There's the first category, 
that maybe this is your first time in a church, or maybe you've been in a church for a long time, but you've always been on the edge, kind of wishing you could jump in, or maybe even stiff-arming God and saying, I don't want to be involved at all. My invitation to you is the Holy Spirit wants to abide with you, and He wants to clean you. He wants to purify you. And not only that, He wants to partner with you to save this broken world. That's the first group. The second group is you know Jesus. You've met him, you walk with him, but for whatever reason, this season feels a little empty, a little dry. Maybe you've been filled with more bitterness than the Spirit. Maybe you've been filled with more unforgiveness than the Spirit. Maybe you've been filled with more anger than the Spirit. What I love about the Spirit is when he comes to abide, he also comes to fill us over and over and over again. You don't need to depend on a feeling or a moment that happened 25 years ago, you can be filled with the Spirit today and make an exchange that can change your life. So I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I want you to take courage. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, and I'm not going to embarrass you. But there's something about acknowledging publicly that you want what we talked about, that you either want to receive the Spirit for the first time or you want to be filled with the Spirit. Now, if your heart is beating, let me, let me tell you what conviction feels like. It's like beating heart. Maybe some of you all want to run out of here and hide. That might be the Holy Spirit talking to you. You may not feel anything at all, but you know. You know that the Spirit's talking to you. I want you to take a step of faith, a bold, courageous step of faith. And I want you to stand up. If you're one of those two categories, you want to receive the Spirit for the first time today, or you want to be filled again, I want you to stand up. And hey, maybe you're a little nervous and you want to nudge the person next to you and say, can you stand up with me? I want that. I don't want to stand by myself. Praise God. Praise God. Way to go. Now, I want to let you know standing doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. When you turn to him and you say, Jesus, I want you more than I want my own way. Repent and believe, and you will be saved. Thank you for standing. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for my friends. Even for those who are watching online who have made the same decision, I thank you for the the faith that you put there. You planted that seed of faith that is now sprouting. And I pray in Jesus' name that they would receive the Spirit today. Breathe new life in them. Make them a new creation. May the old pass away and the new come. Fill them with your Spirit. Fill them with your love. Wash us and make us clean. Purify our hearts. And may the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit be evident in our lives. For your glory, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Congratulations, friends. Congratulations. Hey, I'm going to invite everyone to stand. We're all going to stand together. We're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, I want to invite you to pray and ask the Spirit to rest on you, just like he did for those in Scripture. He wants to do it again today. Let's sing. Fall friend.
Sing that, come on. Holy Spirit. 